welcome to the second recording of Not Just Another Day. I hope everyone's staying healthy and uh, we're going to take it from there. Also, give me a shout out. What kind of music do you all want to hear? I'm just picking stuff on my, uh, on my playlist, but let me know and then I'll, you'll get a, your own personal shout out. So today what we're going to do is we're going to start with a little bit of Sun Tzu, a little bit of background knowledge, and then we're going to hit it up hard with some of our, in my opinion, some of our three to four top um, men who basically paved the way for modern uh, radical jihadi thought. So the first question I asked you to think about uh, is what is the most important weapon to be used against terrorist or insurgent groups? Um, I want to, I want to, now naturally, as you know, this is being recorded before I'm looking at your answers. So I am looking forward to your answers, but, um, Sun Tzu, one of my favorite Sun Tzu quotes is quote. So it is said that if you know your enemies and know yourself, you will win a hundred times in a hundred battles. Um, I'm going to argue, and I don't like to reveal too much of what I think, but I'm going to argue that knowledge is a really important weapon when dealing with, uh, groups like jihadist groups or terrorist groups. And um, hopefully over the next eight or so minutes, I'll be able to defend myself. Of course, absolutely no way do you need to agree with me, but um, that's just my own personal belief. Uh, The next question I had you look at for today's uh, lesson was the importance of black flags in Islam. Now, again, I haven't read your answers yet because I'm taping this before I do, but a common problem that a lot of Westerners, uh, when, they, when they think about black flags in Islam, is they focus on the use of black flags instead of the meaning. So if you Google ISIS, what are you going to see? You're going to see a bunch of guys in black carrying black flags. You Google Al-Qaeda, you're going to see black flags. You Google Benghazi, you're going to see black flags. Um, th- this is a common recurrence. But instead of focusing on how often they're used, let's talk about real quick why they're used. So there's a quote in the Hadith, and if you have forgotten what the Hadiths are from freshman year, no worries, totally get it. So the Quran was written, uh, the word of God through the angel Gabriel to Muhammad. The Hadiths were written following um, his death, and they were they were um, his confidants, his scholars, his, his people he trusted, and they wrote down sayings and anecdotes from Muhammad. So um, this is where things can get a little complicated of the interpretation of his hadith. So I'm going to give you one hadith, and I'm going to quote it. Quote, if you see the black banners coming from Khorasan, join that army. Even if you have to crawl over ice, no power will be able to stop them, and they will finally reach Jerusalem, where they will erect their flags. Now, for some people, for some jihadists, they see this as a um, kind of like the Islam Armageddon version of the Armageddon. We did watch that Vice not too long ago about um, uh, fundamentalist Jews and their are be- Christians and their beliefs of uh, Armageddon. Uh, I did mention the term Khorasan, K-H-U-R-A-S-A-N. I apologize for mispronouncing it. But what is that, if you're wondering? It's the term for historical regions spanning uh, uh, like northeastern and eastern Iran and parts of Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, Afghanistan, and the like um, northwestern part of Pakistan. And so anyway, it's this region that, you know, black flags are going to be victorious. Um, another... Um, so, so when, when, you, when you look at that quote, you can easily interpret it 
uh, your own way. If we were in school right now, I, for homework, I'd probably have you interpret it yourself and make you tell me how you're, what, what you think it's telling you. Uh, another reference of black flags is if you go back to your freshman year and you learn about the spread of Islam, and if you recall, the Umayyad Caliphate is the second official caliphate after Muhammad's death, and they focused on expansion. And the, the group that overthrew them were the Abbasids, and I'm sure you don't remember this, but if you do, stop, give yourself a big high five. But the Abbasids, they used black flags when they were conquering the, the Umayyads. All right, so there, there is this historical visual. Um, this hadith is also quoted during the fall of Constantinople and when the Muslims took over Spain. Um, but to be honest with you, today a lot of Muslim scholars really question the authentic, authentic, oh my heavens, authenticity of the hadith. Um, didn't Muhammad really say it? Does he really mean this is, you know, this this Armageddon that's going to happen and the Muslims are going to be victorious over the Jews and the Christians? There's a lot of referencing to uh, crusaders, and the crusaders are the Jews and the and the and the Christians. Um, but. Another, another hadith about black flags, um, I'm going to quote, it, quote another one for you. The black banners will come from the east, led by mighty men, with their long hair and long beards. Their surnames are taken from the names of their hometowns, and their names are from an alias, alias, end quote. If you Google uh, Al-Qaeda names, you'll notice 100% that's, uh, th th that, that's the case. Um, and, and so that's, if you, also if you look at, uh, Osama bin Laden and his writings, he refers to both of these hadiths and his interpretation of um, black banners, black flags in Islam. And so I just think that's really important moving forward, especially if, we, if I show you any visuals and you see these black flags to really know where they're coming from. Um, a few more terms before I let you go for the day. Uh, jihad, a really important term. Most, most people just assume it's, it's, it's violence against Westerners. That's not the case. Uh, jihad in the Quran, there's two definitions. There's the inter internal jihad of you know, making good choices and being a good Muslim and uh, following those, those five pillars. And then the external jihad, yes, indeed, that is using the sword, Muhammad argued, of, of gaining land for Allah. What um, jihadis, uh, jihadis are going to have to figure out is, is, you know, I mean, really and truly they have it hard, jihadis do. And modern day jihadis, they truly have to select who is the main enemy. You know, is it, um, there, there is, new, I'm not going to make you read a bunch of jihadi work, but there are certain, there are certain leaders of movements that believe that the West and Western powers, those are the true enemies and we call those far enemies. All right. But near enemies, there's some leaders that say, no, actually that's, that's not the case. We need to focus on Muslim leaders that have fallen away. One, one beautiful example is uh, Kamal Ataturk, the, the man who basically established modern day Turkey in 1924. You know, that was A, the end of the Ottoman Empire, the last massive reigning Muslim empire, but B, he created a very modern Western Muslim country. You know, he, he dropped Arabic as the language. He uses Turkic as the language. Turkic is based on Roman letters. All right, Westernized the dress. Legal, the legal system was 100% based on the European legal system. So that's, that's, that's something that, um, to think about as we move forward is, and there will be issues between some of our jihadi leaders of who is that real enemy. So please think about that. Also, jihadis use their own texts, right, versus international military law. Jihadis have canonized their own texts. I'm going to give you a great example. Uh, Ali Sufan, a great, great character, will go in depth about the next couple of weeks. He's really important in the lead up to 9-11 uh, and then uh, figuring out it was 
al-Qaeda responsible for 9-11, but he provides this beautiful example of when he was, um, basically whenever he's interrogating, he's Lebanese and speaks Arabic and is a Muslim man. And when he's interrogating, he's a member of the FBI, sorry, gave you a little more. When he's interrogating these jihadis and these al-Qaeda members, it's like nine out of 10 times, I knew the Quran better. I could speak better Arabic, but they would literally be able to quote every single thing Osama bin Laden had written. And there, there you have it. It's their canonized text, what is right, came from, comes from Osama bin Laden and his interpretation of the Quran and the Hadith. So really important. Um, Sira, S-A-I-R, this is basically a course of one's life or biography. And um, jihadists and their leaders, they use the, their interpretation of the Hadith as a blueprint for their struggle. And so some of them will argue that follow, like that they need, that Muslims, true Muslims, quote-unquote true Muslims, need to follow Muhammad's stages. And they argue, um, one, is the, one argument of the stages is the first um, stage is the hijra, which was when Muhammad was kicked out of Medina and he took the hijra, like his pilgrimage, to Medina. When he was in Medina, he did not use violence. He converted Jews and Christians and there was no violence being used at all. All right. The second stage is the use of violence. And that's his return to Mecca, the Battle of Badr with the defeat of the Karash tribe and the basically his establishment of, of Mecca as the, the hub of Islam. And then of course the expansion of, of Islam. Um, the use or where is Muslim land? There, there's also a disagreement among jihadis. Uh, there's one leader who believed that uh, uh, Muslims should use um, electoral processes like in America to slowly infiltrate the country, like getting enough people to vote for a particular ruler. Okay, that's interesting. Well, another, other, other jihadists and other, other uh, leaders will argue that the Taliban proves as the true and only successful Muslim takeover. Um, but something that most jihadists can definitely agree on is that uh, ordinary Muslims need to return to true Islam. That, that, and, and, and this is where it gets tricky because who knows the true Islam? It's, it's, you know, it's, this, it's, it's debatable depending on the interpretations of the Hadith and the Quran. So what I want to wrap it up with is going back to my, my belief that knowledge is the, just such a great weapon to have, not only against jihadists and insurgent groups, but just in, in, any, in any situation, having an argument with your friend, your, your mom, your dad, your whoever, your teacher, you know, knowledge. Knowledge is power. Stay healthy. Stay safe, make good choices, and I will talk to you soon.